You're listening to Into the Thick of It from Secret of Mana, released October 3rd, 1993, composed by Hiroki Kikuda. Welcome to another episode of BG Mania, a video game music podcast. I, of course, am your host, Brian, and joining me on the show this week, he is the host of Very Good Music, a VGM podcast every month with Shoot Kapow. It is Petroth. Hey, hey, hey. It's good to be back together, man. Good to be back together after about, what, three weeks of, of solo <laughs> episodes? I uh, yeah. I put out that, what did I even do? I did licensed <laughs> music and games and then I did radio yes. hour of course and then you followed up with the first ever BG Mania that BG Mania okay let me just get this out of the way I'm gonna make a lot of mistakes this episode so apologies <laughs> about that the, the first ever BG Mania that was uh Brianless yeah yeah so to speak yes it was and actually uh, no it wasn't never mind on, uh, <laughs> <laughs> focusing on focusing on classical music um, as a kind of a companion show to your licensed music episode and I've gotten some some pretty cool feedback from it so that's been that's been good yeah sometimes I forget your name is Brian too you just don't like to confuse <laughs> the listeners with that <laughs> yes yep Yep. Real quick, if you'd be That's so kind, right. head on over to Apple Podcasts or whichever app you've chosen to listen to us on and drop us a quick rating and review. It really does help out in visibility there so that this show continues to grow. And remember, we are on Patreon now as well, patreon.com forward slash RPG era. Check out our tiers, see what we're doing, and if you feel inclined, toss us a couple bucks each month. If not, continuing to listen to the episodes as they upload each week works wonders as well. And of course, special shout out to current executive producers, Jaxax and Zanku. So yeah, Bedroth, we could not get together over the last two to three weeks or so. We had some difficulties with the scheduling, and uh, like I said, it just worked out that you had that episode you were kind of kicking around for a while now. We're able to put it together as as a solo episode here for BG Mania, and man, I enjoyed the hell out of that. I thought that was so well done. You did great. Thanks, man. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I... 
realized I actually started to record it uh, the night before I, I actually recorded it, and I realized halfway through the intro that I was just I was rambling like crazy. So I just went through and kind of typed out. <laughs> I didn't write a script per se, but uh, if anybody heard that it sounded a lot more structured than how I usually am, it is because I went through and made copious notes about what I wanted to say so that I could stay mostly on topic. <laughs> I know you told me you, you told me when you were sitting down getting ready to do it. You're like, I just have so much to say on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I could have, I could have gone on. It's, it's really fun. It's a super cool topic, but I, it uh, is. It's, it's also, it's a, it's a tiny bit outside our wheelhouse. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to go on too long. And you know, if people like it, we can always come back and do a part two. Right, absolutely. But yeah, I've definitely heard a lot of good feedback on that episode as well. People are enjoying it, which is always what we want. So if you guys haven't listened yet, go check it out. It's Brianless to an extent. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Today, we're returning back to the composer appreciate uh, composer appreciation episodes that we do every quarter, uh, yep. generally in what? Jan- June. So we did the last one in March. Like, so like March, the first, June, first month of the quarter. Yeah, January, September April, and December, June, I think, September. are the four that we do because we did radio hour at the beginning of each quarter for max level. So we kind of when we started it, we switched this to the end of every quarter. Now we just yeah. need something for the middle. Yeah. Of I was each thinking quarter. beginning of every quarter because uh, yeah, yeah. You know, we do financial my job. Yep, <laughs> absolutely over there on max level. But uh, this is always one of my more fun episodes to sit down and prep for because we get to kind of dive into one specific composer. And for this quarter, Q2 of 2022, we decided to focus on somebody that is uh, kind of eccentric, man. Hiroki Kakuda. Eccentric is a great word for it. Man, after I really enjoyed going through Kakuda's music because pretty much all that I knew of him well was Secret of Mana. Uh, of course, I knew that he had done the other Mana games, and I, I'd heard him kicked around a little more, but actually the only other like uh, album of music I had listened to was his uh, non-video game music album album that is on YouTube. I'm trying to remember what it's called now. I think it's called Alphabet. Mm, yes, he does a lot of anime music too. Or yes. has. Yeah, actually, that's where, where he got started was anime music. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah, but, but it was really fun. I, uh, I feel like there may be a lot of other people that are kind of in a similar boat. Kikuda doesn't have quite the same... Uh, I guess, name recognition as like a Nobuo Uematsu or Yoko Shimomura, but he's one that people know like, oh yeah, he's there too, but he's definitely worth a listen. Yeah, he definitely has a style that over the years I have fallen in love with that we'll talk more about as the episode progresses, and there's a very specific reason why. I mean... I, I, I'm pretty easy to read. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll talk about it as the episode progresses. Like you said, he um, his and I think the reason he has such a unique style and that a lot of his music is so thematic. Uh, as I was doing some research on him, he uh, doesn't have any formal musical training, kind of like Nobuo uh, Uematsu. That way, he he learned kind of through listening to other things and through some of his influences, which we'll also talk about. Yes. Uh, but he actually went to school and studied religion and philosophy. And so that's kind of where, where his head is. Uh, religious studies, philosophy, and cultural anthropology is what his degree is in. And so I think that the reason he... Th- I, I, I feel like, of course, this is a big assumption on my part, I feel like he probably thinks in like along those lines and he thinks along those like with those metaphors, those symbols. And his music is I think very... It reflects that. Yeah, it's evocative of that. Absolutely. It doesn't necessarily give you an image in your mind, but it gives you a very real, like a, a concept. It gives you a, a, it's more than a feeling. I can't think of a great word for it right now, but it's Should a very we bust into some music. Boston. 
Did your dad play that on 991 <laughs> every every other Saturday night or something like that? We'll, Boston, we'll throw man. out all the shout outs. Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. I, uh, 99Texas99.com is uh, my dad's radio station. Most of the time it plays American country music, but on Saturday nights, More um, than a feeling. from, Come on, what's from he 7 doing? p.m. to 11 p.m. Central Time, my dad puts on his uh, rock and roll, oldies rock and roll show that he's been doing for 32 years now. Uh, called the Rock and Roll Freight Train, where he plays pretty much anything from 1950 to 1990 is fair game. And he does a little from earlier, a little from later, depending on what people ask for. But uh, yeah, you can go online, listen to it online. He's got people who write in and call in from all over the place. And uh, it's fun. I've been helping him out the last couple of weekends, which is why we couldn't uh, get together to record. But yeah, nice shout out there. But uh, you know, my dad probably has played some of uh, Kakuda's influences over the years. Oh, I would hope so. <laughs> I would yeah. hope so. I began sure. dreaming. Come on, we could just sing more than a feeling the rest of the episode. <laughs> I just debuted my new number one hit single, the Cheeky song in the UK over on Blood and Destroyers and all the wrestling podcast. Excellent. Everybody go check that out. I'm really, really, really glad that you uh, you lost that bet because the Did internet you needs to, to hear that? that. It was awful. <laughs> I had to get on. I don't I don't watch AEW, so I wouldn't get much out of the show, but I knew I'd get something out of that. So And I, I put yeah. it right in the beginning for that reason. Like Yep. That way people didn't have to listen to the entire, like, it's right in the beginning. It's like within the first five minutes. <laughs> you know, the uh, the song we haven't talked about yet is Into the Thick of It, which Into is the, the uh, your opening it. track. Yes. So I had the pleasure of opening the episode this week, and there was no better way to open than with the basic first game he ever actually worked on outside of doing some, like, sound effects for Romancing Saga in, in 1992. Yeah. You got to start with Secret of Mana. Man. Yeah, Secret of Mana is where he got his start. Obviously, this came out here in the States on October 3rd, 1993. Of course, composed as everything is going to be today on the episode by Hiroki Kakuda. I love this game. I have played this game so many times, and it's very rare for me to play a game more than once. And I will say I have played, like, different versions of this game and the remake more recently that uh, we actually have a track from later on that's a bit more, you know, orchestral than the soundtrack yep. was for the original game on the Super Nintendo. But I feel like this is one of the most well-known songs from the game. And what's absolutely crazy is we've only played one track before on this show from Secret of Mana. That is crazy. Yeah, I noticed. And, and it was the one track that I actually thought of that when I thought about what might be a good play. show opener. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I couldn't play that as the opener, I was like, okay, I'll give it to Brian. <laughs> of course. <laughs> because I, I know you've talked about how much you like this game. And I, I, I played it a couple of times when I was younger. I didn't actually play more than like, like 10 minutes of it until I got the SNES Classic. I still haven't finished it, but I have played okay. it now, at least. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, Kikuda is an interesting one because I don't have any in nostalgia for his sound. Almost all of what I've heard of Kakuda I've heard through VGM podcasts. And so, like I said, I'm, I'm excited about my playlist. There was a lot of really cool, really different stuff. I did notice, not in a bad way, but in kind of a Motoi Sakuraba way, I noticed that he would repeat these sort of musical ideas across different games. Yeah, and you're so going to hear I, that a lot on the episode really today, cool. actually, I feel. I think anybody who is really, really intimately familiar with the Secret of Mana soundtrack is going to recognize musical themes from it in pretty much everything that, that I'm bringing. So. Yeah, 
It's absolutely true. So speaking of that, why don't we take it away? Let's kick to your first block. Yeah. So I I, last minute substitution. I brought in this track for another one that honestly, I I didn't really. It was the one that was least exciting to me of the ones I landed on. Which one did you replace? Did you replace it after I saw your list or before? Uh, I think I'm, I'm not sure when you saw my list, but what I replaced was from gosh, I don't even know if I remember. Uh, Oh, it was Unraveled, Tale of the Shipbreaker's Daughter. That's why I mentioned it before we started recording. Because remember I asked you, is this one track from that? Because I knew you had a pick from... Okay, so I saw your playlist before you put this on there. That's why why you got it mixed up. Okay, so yeah, I dropped that one. Not a bad track, not, not a bad soundtrack, but he did compose it with another composer, which is kind of how I decided to bump that one for this one, because this one... Well, this one was also a collaboration. Kinji Ito did the title or the title theme for this game, but Kikuda did everything else. And the reason I substituted this track is because uh, I was looking through his Wikipedia, and he said that this became his favorite composition that he that he had ever done. So Perfect. I thought, what a what a uh, what a better way to start my first block. So first up, we're going to be listening to. Overture from Concerto Gate, released July 2008, and of course composed by Hiroki Kikuda.
Next up, we have Ten Frequency from Tsukaigi, released May 28, 1999, and composed by Hiroki Kakuda. Finishing up our first block, we have Every Day of Grass, Every Day of Straw from Sakura Relaxation, released June 17, 2005, composed by Hiroki Kikuda.
right, and coming back. First, we were talking about Overture from Concerto Gate. And you and I were looking a little bit about this game. This was an MMO, actually a sequel to uh, an earlier MMO from a few years before, 2001, called Crossgate. Another, uh, that one was Japan only, don't know anything about it. This one was released in Japan. There was a beta released in North America, but then some just some internal conflict between the publishers. Uh, they had to tank it before it actually came out here. But uh, they got Kenji Ito uh, to compose the theme song from the Amana and Saga series. And uh, they got Kakuta to do all the rest of the music. And uh, once again, as I mentioned, this is... Uh, on Kakuta's Wikipedia, at least, this is—he uh, mentioned that this was his favorite track that he had ever composed. So, what do you think? I can see why. It's a very beautiful piece of music that really takes you places. Yeah, like, it's got some really it, sophisticated it, piano. It does. Going on. Like it just moves about. Like you were telling me how it was going to like kind of progress in the middle and go into these different movements, and I was kind of anticipating it because, like I said, I, I don't really hide what I do, so I'm pretty high at the moment, and um, <laughs> a big reason why I was so looking forward to doing this episode is because of the, like, musical style and influence that Hiroki Kakuda kind of channels through his music that we'll talk about even a little bit further on when we get into some more of, like, the rocking stuff that we have on the episode, because there is some of that coming, too. Um, yeah. I couldn't get enough of this track, dude. I didn't want it to end. Yeah, it's cool, man. This is only the second time I've heard it. I listened to it before just to make sure I liked it all the way through after I saw his comment. And even just on the second listen, it's deceptively simple because it's, it's really just the piano with some light accompaniment. But the piano, it does some really unexpected things in some places. You, you can, it's, it's definitely written by a guy who knows what good piano playing sounds like, but doesn't know the theory behind it necessarily because he's got his own take on it. And, and I think it works really, really well. Yeah, his mellow stuff has always been some of my favorites of his work. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is definitely falls into that. Not, not in, but not in the usual, like, uh, like synthy or trancey kind of way. No, it's, not uh, at all. Yeah, it's um, kind of a just kind of a cool different take on it. Yeah, more classical could have tied into your episode last week. Yeah, yeah, there definitely were parts of it. Uh, parts of um, this one and the uh, the third track in the block actually could have um, could have been taken from that. Again, Absolutely. you can really tell with this first block how how varied his influences must be. Yep. Because uh, as we get into the second track, um, we see ten frequency from Sokaigi. This was. This was a cool tune, man. I almost said weird, but weird's not right. I think I'm going to go back to that word eccentric that you said. Yeah, that's with. all it can be described as, man. <laughs> it's It does not fit neatly into any genre of music. And, I mean, you can say there's like three or four genres sort of melded together here, but the star of the show has got to be that, that guitar. Yes, that acoustic guitar, Spanish guitar. I don't really know what version of guitar it is. I was kept leaning more and more and I even asked you and I kept leaning more and more to just a, like an acoustic guitar that was kind of playing in like a Spanish style but yeah. it's just it's mind blowing how well done it was I mean we could have stuck this in the freaking Cinco de Mayo episode if we wanted to yeah yeah we definitely could have I think it would have would have fit nicely there this so this one um, it does look like it was released over here um, oh yeah it, but it is set in modern day Japan apparently um you uh, navigate levels, fight monsters, uh, complete required tasks to advance a story. It's an action RPG where um, a group of friends is chosen to save Japan from a supernatural catastrophe. So, you know, uh, it's, it's original. <laughs> Typic typical stuff. 
<laughs> right. And um, uh, Kakuda said that uh, just like he did with Secret of Mana and Trials of Mana on the SNES, he really wanted to push the envelope when it came to what the PlayStation was capable of musically for this. Uh, development behind this is kind of cool. Square was going through a thing where they were wanting to give um, smaller, younger teams of developers a chance to Back when they come actually up cared, with like, you mean. like new ideas or fresh ideas. Yeah, right. But it was it was about more than just money. It was about uh, <laughs> uh, developing the art form. And uh, so this was given to a small developer called UK's. Um, it was written by uh, Nobuhiko Amakawa, who was a member of that studio. But Kakuda, as a, still an employee of Square at this time, I think, or maybe maybe he just had the connection with him. This might have been while he was a free agent. But he was tapped to uh, come and do the, uh, the soundtrack. And he wanted to compose with different complex styles. I think that this song exemplifies that really well. Um, he wanted to do a, fuse, a fusion of, um, well, fusion, jazz fusion, and folk music. And he said his main inspiration when composing were East European bands and um, things like uh, Blank Chant. Uh, one of the tracks actually uses Buddhist chant-inspired lyrics written in Malayan and Thai. So he was really, really thinking Frank outside the box. <laughs> yep, it's good stuff. The track is called Quake. So, uh, Frank, if you want to go check that out. Um, <laughs> Quake from Sukaigi by uh, Hiroki Kakuda. Not Quake the game, Frank, because I know that's what you're going to go to. Yeah, not Trent Reznor. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, this, uh, from everything I read, it looks like the game itself was kind of fair, fair to middling. Um, it was a little bit rough uh, visually. Um, it felt kind of a little bit unfinished by some people, but everybody across the board said the music was one of the best things about it. Uh, they actually listed it alongside Xenogears by um, Yasunori Mitsuda and Parasite Eve by Yoko Shimomura. So that is high praise indeed. Yeah, that's definitely up there in terms of some great gaming soundtracks that composed by some of the best. Some of the best. Some of the masters of VGM, you might say. Some of the masters. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure they're going to be up there somewhere. <laughs> and the masters of VGM hashtag. Yep, yep. We'll, we'll uh, talk about that a little bit more later. But first, uh, yeah, the third block or the third track in this first block. Looks like you're not the only one making mistakes. Um, is, okay. You're not uh, even high, day... Bedroth. Come on now. <laughs> as far as you know. Um, True. Every day Maybe. of grass, every day of straw from Sakura Relaxation. Um, visual novel uh, listed as a adventure visual novel for the PC released in 2005 very different sound this one was really really chill kind of like it had like a domestic sound to it almost it's it's absolutely beautiful and I even got confused myself like because of the name Sakura Relaxation I kept thinking this was for some reason part of the Sakura Wars franchise and I was even digging while we were listening to this track like am I crazy did I just make that up and I know I'm crazy and I probably did just make that up but I thought it starred the girls that were actually in that game but I don't think it does which is okay it doesn't need to be tied to it <laughs> I, I, I couldn't find really anything about this uh, this soundtrack or this game um, I think you said you found something about the soundtrack so I'll be I I'll did be I found that, an but... entire review of the soundtrack which was amazing it's on vgmonline.net and this track actually has a full write-up okay cool cool well 
my thoughts on it, I, I just, I really... Let's see guitar, if you agree with this guy, again, and I'll read what he said. The guitar, again, is really the star of the show. It's It's got this, this really mellow, like I said, almost kind of domestic feel. It feels really safe at first, and then, then he gets into this, uh, there are these plucked, sort of, not really triplets, but plucked <laughs> trios of notes. You're freaking nailing it, dude. It's like you're reading the review. <laughs> that it, it are reminiscent of, of something of, from Secret of Mana, but also parts of it reminded me, again, of that of some of the classical stuff I heard. Uh, it was just, just really, really cool, and again, really sophisticated composition here. I was really impressed by this one. I gotta, I gotta read you this now. So this is what this yeah, guy, ahead, let man. me get this guy's name uh, about the author, Murray Dixon. So credit goes to Murray Dixon on VGMOnline.net. Full write-up of the soundtrack, particularly this song. There's a lot going on in this track, which is surprising considering the simplicity of the melody and the easy-to-follow manner of the melodic passages. Days of Grace, Days of Straw is an exceptionally well-composed piece of music. The instrumentation, including a fluid acoustic guitar and some accompanying lush strings, sounds musically profound in its mellow, lackadaisical tone. String plucks at the end of each loop also create an added sense of amicability and warmness. My favorite part of this track, however, is how it stirs a vivid response within the listener. Every time I listen to it, Days of Grass, Days of Straw makes me picture myself lying on some verdant grass with a piece of straw sticking out of my mouth, basking under the glorious outdoor sunlight with no cares in the world. Man. <laughs> Man, I did, I did hit on a couple of those you things. You hit most that of image, those things. <laughs> that image at the end is perfect. That's... That, that's it. I don't think it can be said any better than that. Yeah. I, this is a beautiful write-up of the soundtrack. Like, he's got full write-ups of each song on here. Like, it's pretty impressive. I'm going to have to go back, because this soundtrack, uh, I have to say that, too. This one and Tsukaigi both, um, you could really listen to the whole thing, and it's all good. I could have picked almost anything from these, but I picked these because they were stylistically diverse compared to the rest of my playlists. And so, I'm going to have to go back and read that write-up and listen to uh, listen to the soundtrack. That sounds I'll like send a it to good you, way to so spend a couple reference the stuff as you're as you're checking it out because yeah, yeah this is thanks, it's super freaking cool we maybe we should throw that in the show notes too yeah we'll definitely do that we'll uh we'll give him some credit where credit is due because like i said it's a beautiful write-up of this entire soundtrack um okay well speaking of sakura relaxation in that same review uh he mentions that there were three games that hiroki kakuto was working on across the span of two years those being Sakura Relaxation was at the tail end, in the middle was Nizuma Wei Sailor Fuku, and at the beginning was Sora no Iro Mizu no Iro. So those released in 2005, 2003, and 2005, I think. So the last two were 2005, and then the first one was 2003. Okay. Um, he basically worked on all three of these, particularly at the same time. And to kick off my first block of this track, I'm saving the mana stuff until the end. But to kick yeah. off my first block of this track, we're going to start, which I love how that worked because I didn't plan that, with Sora no Iro, <laughs> Mizu no Iro. The name of the song is In a Twinkle. This was released on June 25th, 2004. And again, it was composed by Hiroki Kukuda.
next, we have Land of Blooming Mushrooms from Tangle Deep, released February 1st, 2018, composed by Hiroki Kakuda.
Closing out this block, we have Ryo Mensukuna from Kakurio no Mon, released sometime in June 2014, composed by Hiroki Kakuda.
coming back in, we are talking about In a Twinkle from Soro no Iro, Mizu no Iro. Again, this released on uh, June 25th, 2004, and was composed again, as everything on the episode is today, by Hiroki Kakuda. This is a visual novel. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a, a very sexual visual novel, as we've talked about previously on the show. Yes. I don't know, Kyle would have to help me say this word right, irogi or something like that. Iroge, yes, Iroge, yeah. one of those types yeah, of visual something novels. Kyle would pronounce it better than I would too. But yeah, yes, we tried uh, to get Kyle to translate a Hiroki Kakuda interview for us. <laughs> 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 I remember you tagged him in that in Discord. In our staff yep. channel for RPG era. Yep, man, I forgot I even I even offered that, and then I never yeah. followed up. So he was probably happy. <laughs> he, that I didn't he probably up. forgot about it at this point as well. Like he's got so much stuff going on. Yeah, um, man, he, and he's released like three episodes of the Media Files in like two weeks. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, he's put <laughs> up a stuff, lot of though. stuff because he couldn't get together with Frank there for a bit, so they doubled up on episodes one week and then caught yep. back up. But he's was doing his continuing education for his job. And uh, was just really busy the last few weeks. Um, so so no shame to him, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely not. But yeah, this this track was so cool. Like, by the end of it, that was the word I had to use. When after the synths came in and yes. it started sounding like an old 90s keyboard. Just man. But the way it starts out with that piano is just, again, just so pretty. This was a it's perfect follow-up to that so super relaxation track. So pretty. So emotional at times even though i'm sure well it could be i guess i have no idea this could be an emotional track or an emotional part of this visual novel maybe it's yeah, a sad I, moment. I, think, I don't know i mean, kinda, I mean the emotion kind of gets that like, a little bit right overwrought emotion i think is part of the the whole eroge thing so uh um i'm sure that uh my uh, my buddy jeff may be able to tell us about that not doubt him too much <laughs> jeff let us know <laughs> Let us know in Discord. What are we missing out on here? Did you play this one? <laughs> but um, I, I don't know how many of these he's actually played, but I, <laughs> I, I, he, um, I, I, th- I think he's versed in the culture uh, somewhat. So, but but man, this was this was really nice. And I gotta say, uh, we've talked on here a couple of times recently about Hammock and KVGM: The Last Wave, and these adult visual novels have some really really chill music. Like most of his show is either golf, pool, mahjong or adult visual novels. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's where you find that kind of music so easily. That's right, man. That's right. Them slow jams. So yeah, I think we, uh, um, we we probably made it pretty clear, but uh, anybody, if you Google this game, beware. Um, you know, <laughs> beware. Just, just know what you're getting into. <laughs> beware. But you're also getting into a really beautiful soundtrack if you do decide to explore the rest of this soundtrack. Uh, oh it, yeah, it is quite good. And the reason I went with this one is just because it is so mellow, and I just love this stuff. I mean, I say that all the time. Like, I am such a bigger fan of the slower side of music than I am the faster side. Even though I love the faster side, and I play that all the time, it doesn't make oh, yeah. me feel the same way as like the slower, synthier '80s style stuff. Which I also think this track has a lot of '80s in it as well. Um, oh yeah. It just that stuff makes me feel so much different and I just I love that feeling. Yeah, it reminded me of uh, I think I actually mentioned when we were talking. It's it's got a little bit of not really the exactly the eighties power ballad feel, but the nineties Japanese take on the eighties power ballad feel Which that was you very get good. with like was with very Eyes on good time me of and music Final Fantasy them. Eight and stuff like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. It was very well done. It really was. And then sandwiched in the middle of that block there, we had Land of Blooming Mushrooms from Tangle Deep. 
This game came out on February 1st, 2018. Featured a lot of composers. Well, not a lot. Four different composers. Um, this was a Kickstarter game. So they yeah. used a lot of those funds to reach out and get other composers to work on Tangle Deep. So besides Haruki Kakuto, we had Andrew Aversa, Grant Kirkhope, and Norihiko Hibino. Um, yeah, nice eclectic mix of composers yes, there. Yes, absolutely. And Kakuta only worked on two tracks for the soundtrack. He worked on this, which is the original version of Land of Blooming Mushrooms, and then he did a remix, rearranged version of the same track for Toward the End of the Game. Yep. That's all he did for this I track, think or for the soundtrack. The, the original was on my short list, and then I did one of my weird things where I had way too many songs on my quote-unquote short list, my, uh, my runner-up list. Yeah, your short list and is like one, 40 tracks deep. Right, and one of the ways I decided to cut it down was to focus on as much as I could on tracks that Kikuda did by himself, or soundtracks he did by himself. Um, but yeah, this one was one I had a couple of tracks from. Also want to give a shout-out to Kikuda's compositions for Soul Calibur Five. Yes, which because, I, I almost picked. Yep, there was some really, really good stuff mixed in among his tracks. I almost went with his uh, theme for um, Voldo. That was one that was on my five. list, actually, as well. Yeah, it was a really, really weird, really cool track that I just, I bumped when I when I did that purge, so. We keep mentioning that word weird as well, and, and I really do think that is a good way to describe a lot of his musical tones and, like, choices. Yeah, I mean, Which I just weird. love so good much. Weird. Yeah, absolutely. Good weird. I love it so much. This one, this one was not super weird. This was, this was just a nice kind of straightforward track, though. Um, he, uh, he, I don't know if he dialed it back intentionally for this one, or if it was just like, maybe he wasn't too sure how to meld with the other, like the rest of the soundtrack all that well, and he didn't want to go too far outside the box, but. I feel like he leaned heavily into his Secret of Mana influence here. Like, you know, he, oh, he yeah. called back a lot to that. I definitely heard, I, I called out the woodwinds while we were listening, yes. and that's definitely a Secret of Mana thing. The flutes you also and, and the clarinets and such. caught on to about a minute into all of his tracks, he starts coming in with, like, strings and stuff as well. You also caught on to that mm -hmm. as we were listening to this <laughs> block. Yep, yep. Yeah, he, he knows how to build, and he knows how to uh, how to sort of, um, what's the word, how to veer in just the right way to uh, to keep you listening. Yeah. Um, Takes you on a DGM journey, hosted by Alex Messenger. Yeah. We're just going to shout them all out. Yeah, yes. We're just going to keep going. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> I wanted to mention that about In a Twinkle, too. I was saying that I wish that I had the terminology of some of the other podcasters out there, like the Marcotta Bros, who really know keep their musical coming. stuff, because he... Um, he was around the two minute mark. He was finishing up a uh, sort of a chord progression. And when he resolved it, he did it in a way that like, uh, like the main, the backbone of the chord was there, but he threw on a couple of extra notes that just spiced it up just right. And it's just, it's just really, really, really cool stuff. I, I like, he keeps me on my toes. <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting here trying to think like how can I how can I blend other podcasts that are participating in this thing we're going to talk about <laughs> later into our into our conversation naturally I have the entire list pulled up I will work them all in somehow well especially <laughs> this next track he especially surprised me um I gotta say, I, so I listened to the um, um, Kakuryo Noman soundtrack. Yes. Uh, he didn't do all of it, but I listened to the ones that he listened to, and um, I, I may have had one or two on my list. I thought I remembered this song, but then it surprised me. Um, I wasn't super fond of that weird, like, high-pitched whistle feedback thing in the first minute. I liked the song, but that kept kind of distracting me. But then he got into the second minute of this track, and I think that minute, from the one-minute mark to the two-minute mark of 
um, Ryo Mitsukuna was maybe my favorite minute of the episode so far. Really, yeah, really you, cool. You, went, you even went bills. back after that part hit, and you're like, wait a second. I, I need to go I back did. and listen to that part again. Yeah. <laughs> full of drum fills, full of guitar, just really awesome stuff. Full of pixel beats, some may say. <laughs> Keep them coming in. Some may say. Some may say. He would, that was actually the uh, the first podcast that uh, released their Masters of EGM episode with Pixel Beat. So. It was. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was. Man, this was definitely really a VG it, jam, though. though. It was definitely a VG jam. <laughs> it was it was a VG jam for sure. Keep it coming, uh, but man, you nailed the genre of this one. Um, this is our first, like I think, really pure example of prog rock. On the yes, episode. which is a big reason that I am such a fan of of Hiroki Kikuda. Um, his musical influence—you've already mentioned it at the top of the show—but. You know, he didn't really study musical theory. He kind of taught himself everything he knew. And along the way, took his influence from, like, classic rock, from progressive rock and this prog rock style. And one of his favorite bands was Pink Floyd, which is one of my favorite bands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Actually, that is how he got his job at Square. Uh, he he would, had composed for a couple of, of anime titles, and he wanted to work for Nihon Falcom, but they didn't hire him. So he went to Square, and I think that the Wikipedia said they had like a hundred other applicants at that time. And so he was absolutely sure he wasn't going to get it. But when he was interviewing with Uematsu, um, Uematsu pulled from one of his demos and mentioned, "Oh, you sounds like you're a fan of prog rock." And so Kakuda, he and Kakuda like struck up a conversation about that. And Kakuda thinks they that is what together because that is yeah, a session that, I that's what got him stuck in his head. So I, yeah, I would have loved to. I, I don't know if Kakuda ever uh, ever was involved in Uematsu's band. I don't think he was um, part of Black Mages. No. But, or Bound Papas, yeah, but yeah. but I could I could see him guesting, you know, uh, on the keys maybe once or twice. That would have been cool. Or the, or the Japanese flute, or the theremin, even, maybe. <laughs> who knows, with how crazy he is. Yeah, who just, knows, man. Just who comes knows? out and starts going. Oh. Yeah, this was this was really cool. And, um, you know, we're going to keep some of that prog sound, I think, mixed in with uh, with some, some religious flair for, for my first track of this Ooh. next block. All right. Well, um, I like the transition, so, so let's run with it. Let's go like ahead. A, it's, like it's, it's like prog church, maybe, I would say. Uh, let me know what you think after That's got to be a thing, it, right? But, um, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff corrected us on our last to, uh, time. Bali Rock is not a thing, so I'm sure he'll correct us again. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We will see. Here we go. We're going to listen to uh, starting off this next block. This is Incantation from Kudoka, released June 29th, 2000, composed by Hiroki Kikuda.
This is Kyle, and one day you can be too. Every Friday, I host what is soon to be your favorite podcast, The Media Files. Me and one of my best friends talk about pop culture happening so that you don't look like an uncultured swine during those boring water cooler conversations. Laughs are shared, tears are cried, and sometimes we have really interesting special guests that you might be familiar with. Download The Media Files wherever you download podcasts, and remember, be kind, be honest, and we'll see you later. Next, we have Cyclic Soul from Indivisible, released October 8, 2019, composed by Hiroki Kikuta. Next up, we have Halls of Karba from Earthlock, released March 8, 2018, composed by Hiroki Kikuta.
Right, and coming back, first we are listening to Incantation from Kudelka. And uh, maybe the weirdest track in a track of slightly weird tracks on our playlist. <laughs> um, <laughs> in a list of weird tracks, I should say. Man, I'm tired. But yeah, what did you think of this one, man? This is definitely different. And when we were listening to it, I mentioned to you that I felt like it had like this feudal Japan style to it. But as you kept saying, and as we've said about a lot of these tracks, whether it was while listening to them or maybe even on air, it's hard to classify this as like one specific type. It just goes everywhere. This game, the the development of this game just seems buck wild. So uh, for some context, (laughs) um, for some context, this was so Kakuta. After he finished Sukaigi from my last block, remember that one was developed by an outside studio because Square was trying to like mix things up, and and they gave these developing studios a lot of a lot of free range, and he apparently uh, he apparently liked that because after he finished that, he left Square and started his own company uh, called Sacknos. And he was with that company for just a few years before he he left, and and it eventually became um, something else. We'll get to that in a second. But while he was um, the president of Sacknos, they developed this game. And this is like Kakuda's labor of love. He was the director, producer, writer, and composer of this game. Yeah, this is his game. Um, <laughs> with, uh, yeah, with, uh, and he, he brought on some other Square staff members to help with like art and um, like the voice acting and things like that. But uh, just to give you kind of, here's the summary from Wikipedia. Uh, the staff traveled to Wales for research. Uh, all dialogue was spoken in English. Uh, the traditional turn-based battle system was created without his involvement due to staff disputes. Um, and let me see. The plot, it's set in the haunted Nimitan Monastery in Wales. The plot follows protagonist Kudelka Yasant, um, Edward Plunkett, and Bishop James O'Flaherty as they uncover Nimitan's secrets and confront monsters created from its dark past. The gameplay blends exploration and puzzle elements with turn-based battles waged on a grid. So yeah, sounds like a really weird game, <laughs> but it, it sounds cool. I does. would, I would encourage people to to read through this one. This article, when I was doing my research on these games, was probably the most interesting one to read. Um, so the track I think is fitting for that because it's a it's a weird track, but it's fun. It's fun in that Kakuda in that Kakuda way, and definitely sounds like some of the more intense and like ominous themes from Secret of Mana. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. And I like that you know according to this article, he actually used the Atari note, uh, Notator actually to compose the music for yep. the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, he. Otherwise, he, known as a Logic Pro. He's been an uncon- unconventional as far as like how he works around the um, the hardware for things, and uh, kind of like a Tim Ball and a Ryusuke Koshiro. When he was doing Secret of Mana, he actually instead of composing and then giving it to somebody else to code for the game, he created a program uh, that he could do on a computer that would replicate sounds that an SNES could make so that he could actually know what his music would sound like in the final product before he gave it to uh, to the arrangers. And so, yeah, he's got kind of a history of doing weird kind of stuff like that. 
uh, seems to be you know his thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Continuing though in the uh, in the prog rock vibe, uh, we come to Indivisible. This was the first game in nine years that Kakuda did on his own. Uh, the track we're talking about is Cyclic Soul, and there were quite a few tracks from this game that I um, that I could have chosen, but again, just for diversity's sake, I I went with this one because it, it rocks, man. This is a cool track. Oh, dude, it's so good. I was mentioning to you, I actually played this game because for a while there, a lot of people were considering it a spiritual successor to Valkyrie Profile, which is an excellent freaking series that Square Enix is all but abandoned. Um outside of, like, mobile releases here and there. But the combat was very similar, and I just was really into this. I've listened to a majority of the soundtrack. I never did finish the game, but I've listened to a majority of the soundtrack, and it's quite good. Like, it's pretty strong. I'm curious, um, did you cut any tracks from your list after you saw, like, the games I had picked? Um, I had stuff saved from Indivisible that I didn't put in here because I saw you had one. And I think I had something from Shining Hearts. Ah, okay, okay. I was curious to see if we had just, if, again, we had but again, just kind no, of, not the same, you know... not the same tracks, no. <laughs> right. But same yeah. games. If, if we if we'd mixed it up uh, without without even collaborating like we've done in the past, <laughs> yeah, those two I did have on my like I had about sixteen or seventeen tracks saved that I knew that I would kind of whittle down, um, mm-hmm. and I did have I think two from Indivisible and one from Shining Hearts if I remember correctly that I just they're still on that playlist. Cool, very cool. Um, well, this next one, Earthlock, kind of like uh, Tangle Deep. This was a Kickstarter game. Yes. And it looks like Kakuta was one of the, uh, the stretch goals that they were able to bring him on to uh, to do some of the music here. I that actually was done very specific him... too. Like that was a very specific choice because of the inspiration this game was going for. Yeah, talk a little about that. So it is a like turn-based JRPG inspired by a lot of the JRPGs that we grew up loving and playing. You know, the older Final Fantasies, Secret of Mana to an extent, even though that's not really turn-based, but still, Mm -hmm. that was a big inspiration for this game. And when it came out, it was pretty well received amongst people that enjoy that genre of games. I think I made it about 60 to 70% of the way through and then something else bigger, because this came out in 2018, something else bigger came out like a month or two mm-hmm. after, and I never got back into finishing it. Um, still own it. It's still on my PS4. Well, it's not installed, but I still own it. <laughs> yeah. um, I may go back to it at some point. It was a great game. I really enjoyed it. It looks like uh, supposedly it w- it's planned to be the first volume in the trilogy, and Wikipedia says the sequel is scheduled for a release this year. They are I've still working on it. I know that's it, I know that to be fact. They are still working on the sequel. Cool, cool, very cool. Um, and I, I don't know much about it. I, I'm everything I'm reading. You basically kind of summed up everything that I, I would say about it. I will say that both Indivisible and Earthlock did sort of ping on my radar when they came out. I was interested in both of them. They are the kinds of games I would like to play. I just don't really play a lot of games these days, and so I never got around to them. But one of these days, one of yeah. these days, the, the, one of these they're, days, they're, they're games that uh, when when I see them on Epic or when you know what, actually, I might have Earthlock on Epic. You may, may you know what? It may have been free on there at some point. 
I think it was. But if Indivisible is ever free or like on a steep discount on Switch, it's one that if I have some extra money, it's it's on my list because it definitely looks like the kind of game that I would be into. But. Yeah, absolutely. And you and I were talking about it because when those like brass instruments and those horns kick in at certain parts of the track, to me, it almost feels like triumphant, but it mm-hmm. also feels like it has a very, I don't want to say a strong militaristic feel, but I definitely get that vibe from those segments. And I know for a fact I did not make it to the Halls of Karba because I don't remember the area. So I looked up an achievement list to see kind of like where the achievements fell for this particular area. And Mm -hmm. this is near the tail end of the game. Like there's a new enemy that you get in this area that completes your bestiary at 74 out of 74. So it's definitely near the end of the game. But one of the follow-up achievements says you have to rescue somebody from the Karba prison. So I do wonder if this maybe is like a militaristic area. Maybe this is the prison break theme or something, yeah. Potentially. It reminds me of... I played way back on my Horoscope episode. It was episode six, I think, in in 20... I guess that would have been... Forever ago? Yeah, 2020, I think. Um, Back in, like, May or June of 2020. So about two years ago, um, I played Libra of Souls. That was my Libra track from Soul Calibur Six, I want to say. And it's uh, there's a part in that song where it, like, opens up in this big, grand, sweeping, like, a horn, like, English horn-style section that reminded me we had just rewatched uh the chronicles of narnia on um okay. you know, the live action version well and old version it, it version. reminded me of that so the, the the live action the newer newer live action version okay and okay. there was some uh, it reminded me of some of the music that, that i had heard like the main the main sort of motif from that the new the newer chronicles of narnia and lion witch the wardrobe i still have a soft spot for that that version we used to watch like in elementary school during recess when it was snowing or raining outside yeah it was, was made that was in like, like an the old, 80s like or a, something like a puppet version or something yeah <laughs> I still have a soft spot for that version. And there was an animated version as well. I remember I remember the scene where Aslan comes back to life, and that's the only thing I remember from, from that whole movie. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so this song reminds me of another song that reminded me of a song from that. So, yeah, it's... <laughs> Those I guess tangents we get off good, on. Uh, yep, yep. I guess that means it's... It's got a good uh, a good pedigree to it. You know, you can trace it back through some good good music. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, oh, I also almost forgot. I want to mention that um, the uh, Kudoka soundtrack on YouTube was actually uploaded. They, they must have focused on this at one point. It was uploaded by Gene Draband, who is one of the co-hosts of the Pixelated Audio podcast. Um, nice. Really Another cool show out. that di- dives deep, dives deep into some obscure um, BGM. Some sometimes not so obscure, but they uh, you know they do cool interviews. They dig into different types of hardware, and they must have gotten like talked about this track at one point because Gene took it on himself to upload the soundtrack to YouTube. So thank you, Gene, if you're you know, if you ever hear this for for that because otherwise I probably wouldn't have found that track. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the Kodelka track again, I, I should have mentioned that because I said it was, uh, it, it felt kind of feudal Japan. I should have mentioned that it belongs in the Shujin Academy VGM club. I didn't think of it then. I didn't think of it then. <laughs> uh, that's fun. Yep. Going to keep name dropping these in uh, preparation for when we, when we talk about the, uh, the events toward the end of the show. You know what's but... funny is you also could have used that game last week. 
Yep. Because I don't know if you saw this doing your research. The ending theme to Kodelka, Ubi Caritas et Amor, is taken from a Maurice uh, Derufli. I'm probably saying that wrong. Uh, <laughs> composition back like a while ago in 1960 called the Corte Motte de Cernerder Themes Gregorians. Another classical yes, piece of music. Um, not Not classical as far back as like. You know, you were diving on last week's episode, but a classical piece but, of but music. But based, definitely based on actually, and actually, the the Gregorian stuff is pre-classical. That's way from from that's true. way yeah, back that's in Middle the day. Ages. Yeah, but, true. But but Requiem, um, uh, performed by Catherine v- uh, Botts, is one of the uh, one of the tracks from it as well. And Requiem is based in ancient sacred music, and was it was variations of it were done um, all throughout the. The, the classical periods. Um, actually, the Mozart track I played last week was from his Requiem that he was working on when he died. So, yeah, yeah definitely. Again, um, Kikuda's uh, degree is in religious and anthropological studies. So uh, that probably is why this game that he was so involved in uh, features, you know, these religious, heavy religious themes, because he kind of wanted to explore those. So. Yeah, and he really leaned into what he knew best. Well, outside of excellent outside of video game music. Yeah. yeah, outside of excellent video game music. So. And speaking of um, of what you know, what, what he's is known, known for, best, basically, yeah, what is like no, what, what he's, he's known, known for. for. Yes, we uh, we um, saved this block specifically back. toward the end. <laughs> Actually, I'm excited, man. This is this is like when when the band finally plays Freebird. <laughs> yeah, they're they're getting ready to ramp up, and you know they're going to come back on stage for an encore here in the middle, and then uh, they'll they'll close out with a track that. You know, maybe not necessarily the most popular, but it is a freaking awesome track nonetheless. That's how, that's what they do. They're going to a lot of concerts lately. And a nice um, send off. Absolutely. Nice send-off. Give the fans what they want. Make them happy at the end of the show. So that way they leave smiling instead of pissed off. Yep. <laughs> so we're going to click into a block of mana tracks. We have one from the remake of Secret of Mana that he was involved in doing some of the rearrangements for, for the soundtrack. We have a track from Saiken Densetsu 3, otherwise known as Trials of Mana. And then a more recent uh, mobile, but it did release on the PlayStation Vita as well, version of Mana, Rise of Mana, that he only contributed one track to. So we're going to play that one track. But to kick things off, we are going to the remake of Secret of Mana. The name of the track is Meridian Dance. This came out on February 15th, 2018. And again, it was composed by Hiroki Kakuda.
coming up next, we have Where Angels Fear to Tread from Saiken Densetsu 3, otherwise known as Trials of Mana. Released September 30th, 1995, composed by Hiroki Kakuda. Last up, before we close this show out, we have The Drip, Drip, Drip of Memory from Rise of Mana, released May 14th, 2015, composed by Hiroki Kakuda.
coming back in, we are talking about Meridian Dance, the remastered version from the remastered version of Secret of Mana. And yeah, you and I were kind of talking while listening to this. I still do prefer, I did finish the remastered version of Secret of Mana, but I still do prefer the original game. And in a lot of ways, I do still prefer the original soundtrack. And thank God they let you like switch freely back and forth between the two, which I love when remastered games do that. Um, but this version here is one that I actually think sounds really well done in the remastered version to the point where I think I might like this version even more just because it has more going on than it did in the Super Nintendo version. Yeah, I think because I don't have that same nostalgia for the original, uh, the remaster doesn't bother me as much as it does for a lot of people, but it definitely is polarizing. Um, and, and, and I can understand why based on like based on other things. Although, um, I'm, we will talk about this a little more next week. One recent notable exception is the soundtrack for uh, Actraiser Renaissance, which I just fell in love with. Yes, that, you that did. One was we played a track from fantastic. that recently. Yeah. And it, it is cool when, like in this situation and like in Actraiser Renaissance, when the original composer comes back to work on the revamp. Uh, like Astor Matsuda did for uh, Chrono Cross recently and like Yoko Shimomura is doing for Live Alive. Dude, I can't wait for that soundtrack next oh, month. I, I know, cannot man. wait. It's going to be so good. I'm going to have to do a spotlight <laughs> episode on that soundtrack. I'm going to have to join you for it. I mean, no, of course. You, you, what can you I say? be there, of course. Yeah. So, yeah. But man, but this was really cool. And Meridian Dance is one of those that, uh, that I do know really Another well. Another very it's, popular it's, it's track a, from this game. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, a good example of sort of the rocking style of the of the mana the, the mana music, and this whole block really kind of took us on a tour of a lot of what Kikuda is known for in these games. Absolutely. So. Yeah, it definitely did. Um, going into the middle track from Saiken Densetsu Three or Trials of Mana, we're talking about where angels fear to tread which is more or less a kind of like a redone version of the main theme to Secret of Mana. Like, again, we've talked about it a lot during the episode, how a lot of things call back to Secret of Mana and how he utilizes a lot of the same melodies, a lot of the same tones, a lot of the same everything that made Secret of Mana so successful. And, And, you know, when I... When you see the name of this track, I think you might expect something a little more hardcore than it turns out to be. Yeah. This is, this is, this is a nice track. Where, little, angels little di- where Angels Fear to Tread, yeah, it's got like a nice, it'd be a good like black metal song name or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this is cool. I liked the, um, uh, you know, the woodwind over the piano reminded me a lot of, uh, of again, uh, just that classic Mana sound. Yep, absolutely. It's good stuff. And this particular video on YouTube has an amazing background. It's a spinning cube with excellent <laughs> synth wavy colors. Some may say the yep. Supreme Synth VGM Dreamstream Machine type colors. And, yes, uh, yeah, definitely looks like something Volts might use. <laughs> <laughs> and this is from the uh, Super Famicom version of this game, right? Correct, yes it is. Yeah, yeah, not, not the recent uh, remake. No, because there was a recent remake of Trials of Mana as well that came out in 2020. Yeah, I played the demo of that. It was interesting. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it, not it bad. Well. It's, um, it's not bad, yeah. not bad. I do own it as well. Uh, but I don't think I've ever made it further than like two or three hours into that. 
it, it seems it like it would have a lot of replay value because of how you can play, you know, focusing on different characters from the beginning. That part of it was really intriguing and may have been why actually why I didn't get it, because if I were to get sucked in, I would pour way too many hours into it for everything else. I would have to stop doing this podcast with you because I would be too busy playing video games. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Particularly for this soundtrack, uh, Kakuda actually made his own uh, MIDI samples as well which I thought was really interesting because we talk a lot about how, and we've been talking about it earlier, right? Tommy Tallarico yeah. coming up with his own stuff and, you know, finding ways yeah, to do Tim, things Tim on Paul his own. And yeah, he wanted, and yeah, he wanted to know how things were going to sound instead of, like, having to deal with the hardware between the originals and the sampler and the NES, or the SNES, sorry. Like, yeah. that's really cool. He's very creative when it comes to that. And then your last track is really cool, too. This one is uh, guitar and woodwind instead of piano and woodwind, but it was really reminiscent of um, Into the Thick of It, the track that you opened this up with. Yeah, which I thought was uh, a, a good reason to close my section with this one, kind of calling back to the original and kind of wrapping it all up before we get into the playout track that you are going to grace us with. Again, the only vocal track on the episode, Jeff. Something's going on. Something's going on. <laughs> But we are talking about Rise of Mana, and the name of the track is the Drip, Drip, Drip of Memory, which probably my favorite track name on the episode today. Um, I love that. But after he worked on um, Saiken Densetsu 3, the Mana series continued on, right? Like, there were other games that came out. There was the... Oh, Legend yeah. Of yeah. Saiken Densetsu 3 was, was eventually called Trials of Mana, then... Um, uh, then here we go. Of course, the first one was Final Fantasy Adventure on the Game Boy. Right. That was second in Setsu, Final Fantasy Gaiden, like a spinoff. Yeah, that was the of. first one, correct. That's why Secret of Man is two. Actually, Second and Setsu 2, and then, yeah, Trials of Mana, Second and Setsu 3. Uh, Second and Setsu 4 is Dawn of Mana, released for the PlayStation 2, a yes. full 11 years after Trials of Mana. Which was pretty crazy. And that is a game that, you know, uh, Kenji Ito also worked on. I know we mentioned him earlier in the show, um, but I actually really enjoyed that game. And that's the last one in the mainline series. There have Correct. been a couple of additional spinoffs Yep, Here Legend of Mana, Mana of on Mana. the PlayStation yeah. back in 99 that you mentioned because your favorite, Yoko Shibamura, happened to compose yep. that soundtrack. Uh, absolutely. That was that was the first Mana game to come out after Trials of Mana. It was it four was. years after Trials of Mana. Yep. And, and then, then um, the Sword one. of Mana came out on the um, Game Boy Advance. Which oh, yeah, was, 2003. Yeah, it was an enhanced remake of... Final Fantasy Adventure. The original yes. Final Fantasy Adventure. It's it's a it's a whole it's a whole maze of pretty much. Of stuff, yeah. But um, but a pretty cool series. Lots of games and just it doesn't never got the same star power again as Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest and Ease and some of the other ones. But which is kind of sad um, because cool this this is, is a really it's a really good series. Like I know it kind of has fallen off in recent times with. I mean, at least they did the remakes and remasters, but Adventures yeah, of Mana, when them. it came out on uh, iOS and Android, that was just not a fun game. Eventually came to Vita, and it still wasn't a fun game. Wasn't super well received, but um, but still a, a storied series that launched the uh, the career of one of the um, one of the coolest composers that I've gotten to explore in a Absolutely. while. This was this was a really fun episode to put together. And the, this is the only track that he actually composed for Rise of Mana. 
yeah. he did he did come back for this one to kind of like do a guest con- as as Yo- as did Yoko Shimomura. She came back and did a guest spot on this one as well, composing where the heart beats free. That's cool. It's like when Koji Kondo comes back to do like a handful of tracks on right. a Mario game or yeah, you bring back the those that worked on it previously. Yeah. I love that stuff, mm-hmm. dude. Yeah, he's come so far. He's like a legacy composer now. So that's it's really cool. Really cool. Well, um, before we get into that closeout track, you and I have been teasing a couple of things. Uh, Want to talk about this big event? We've been name dropped quite a few different podcasts on the yeah. Episode, couldn't get them all. Couldn't work them all in naturally. Sorry, guys. Couldn't work Bar them silence, all in, but um, uh, yep. Nerd noise radio. <laughs> but revgm. Yep. I don't want to leave anybody out. I think the, we did uh, mention rhythm and pixels at some we point. We did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Row rock out with your card out, right? Rock out, Roiko. Rock out with your card out. Sound um, test. And yeah, yeah, with Lee. Uh, and yeah, Lee this, uh, So the um, the Masters of VGM is something that actually was spawned out of a conversation that a few of us had. Martyrus from VGM and Rob from Rhythm and Pixels on the Rhythm and Pixels server, uh, and I were were talking about this. And uh, somebody threw out, "What if we did like a like a Mount Rushmore of VGM? Like who who would you put on there?" And we started talking about it. And then Martyrus said something like, "It would be really cool if if you know some different podcasters got together and we all like got together on an episode about this." And then I said, "Well, that would be a really long episode. But what if we had like a bunch of different shows kind of do it around the same time and it grew out of that and i offered my real estate so that nobody else would have to like log up their discord and i started the server on on the uh, very good music discord and invited a bunch of people in and um we've uh june is the month that uh, everybody's putting it together and several podcasts have already released their episodes uh pixel beat um kvgm I think that the last weekend of the VGM Fight Club just dropped his episode, and everybody's doing a slightly different take on it. A lot of podcasts are doing four composers, but like in ReVGM, he does he does like a couple of songs, and then he does a couple of remixes for each song, and so he is doing one episode per composer for the which month is of a June. cool idea for his concept. And that, yeah, and like the last weekend, um, did just a, he decided just to do a focus on Yuzo Koshiro. So he played just a bunch of Yuzo Koshiro tracks because that's his favorite composer. And then um, Mine too. I know that, uh, yeah, yeah, I know. I, he's the one who I, I know for sure is going to be popping up on your list. And, um, oh, yeah. M- multiple times this month, Bedroth. Multiple times yep. this month. Yep. Uh, yeah, and uh, Yoko may be coming back uh, before too long, too, with Live Alive, but she will definitely be on my list as well. And um, in our episode, uh, I'm excited Chukapau is going to join us when we do our uh, PG Mania episode. He's definitely made uh, sporadic appearances in the background, I think, when we've been talking about (laughs) stuff on on other episodes. Particularly, I think, when we were talking about a Pokemon track I didn't know anything about. But (laughs) uh, yeah, he'll be with us that episode. He'll be joining us uh, for the first time. And um, I'm going to do the Very Good Music episode at the end, kind of a retrospective, and I'll get some listener picks on that episode. And I'm going to, Jeff, who we've named drop on this episode quite a few times, is going to be joining me. Prof Jeff is going to be joining me for that episode. He should be done with all of his uh, dissertation and stuff, so he'll be Dr. Jeff by then. Dr. Um, Jeff. Oh, and, uh, is he going to change his name to Discord? He'll be joining us when he's done with all that. Instead of Prof Jeff. <laughs> we'll have to see. We will have to see. But uh, can, him and Kyle but yeah, can have a doctor um, so I'm excited. And uh, man, I, I I know we don't uh, really spoil stuff that's coming up next, but all I will say is I am I am super super excited you know what? about drop our it, next episode because I want people to listen. Go ahead and go ahead and okay. drop it. Um, so I surprised Brian uh, a few weeks back. Um, 
with, uh, hey, I got in touch with uh, this composer, and he said that he would be down to do an interview for BG Media. What do you think? And um, uh, so a while back, uh, Brian was on my show, uh, Very Good Music, as a guest. I was doing a series of composer focuses, and I knew that Brian's favorite composer was Yusuke Koshiro. So I brought Brian on the show, and I tagged Koshiro on Twitter when I posted the episode. And I mentioned something about something he had done compositionally and thought it was cool. And he was so he was impressed that I, I had focused in on that. And so he's like, hey, that's really cool. And he ended up following me. Like, inconceivably, Yuzo Koshiro following me on Twitter. And so I've... Um, I've waited on a couple of things he said just to kind of keep the keep the lines open so he didn't forget about me and I decided just to roll the dice and see if he would want to interview. His caveat was he he wanted to do it in English and so he didn't want to do it live because he wasn't super comfortable doing a live English interview. Though we did offer because we do have Kyle who was willing to act as translator on the episode. Yes, we did, we did offer Japanese, but uh, he said, no, no, I'll, I'll go ahead and do it in, a, in English. But um, yeah, so just send over some questions and I'll be happy to answer them. And so we did. And he did. And so you excited. are going to hear I'm so those excited, recorded dude. answers from Yusuke Koshiro on next week's episode. Uh, also a first for BG Media. It's going to be your first ever part two of a composer focus. Yeah, we're doing back-to-back composer appreciation episodes. Obviously, we've had other interviews, and I mean, I've done full episodes with composers of games before, back when I was doing yep. the show solo and reaching out to various composers just to kind of do things with me. Um, yeah, your um, your episode with the uh, Cyber Shadow composer was really, really cool. Oh, wasn't y'all it, actually, dude? It's y- y'all so talked good. about Yuzo Koshiro on we that episode did. as we well. absolutely so. did. But yeah, no, I... Uh, I'm super excited for for what we have next week, and you know, it, it, the interview is not going to be the full episode, right? Because we only had a limited amount of space or real estate in order to take up of his time, and right. we yeah. got we got so. some responses. They were you know a couple minutes long a piece, so we'll have that interview kind of sandwiched in the middle when we're uh, gushing over more of uh, Koshiro's work next week. I can't freaking wait, dude. And I'm excited, man. One episode was not enough for me to adequately showcase his music. And so it's, uh, you know, we did kind of our own series. You've done a Koshiro episode before. So this is part two. I did my Koshiro episode. So that was like a, a Gaiden yeah. <laughs> of yours. And uh, now we both get to come back and, and talk about him again. And I am, I am in super, the best way possible excited. because it's like he's there with us in the same room. I can give him a high five. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Man, can, it's going to be so cool. We can jam on the synth together because that's what I would want. But <laughs> but to close things out, we're going to come back to our, our man of the hour, Hiroki Kikuta. Yes. And once again, the, the only vocal track on the show. And man, it, it's, a, it's a short little tune. Um, really, really nice. Really, really, you know, uplifting and, and bright and refreshing. And um, I just, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about before we get out of here? Yeah, actually, I just want to talk about the track for a second because it is the only vocal track, which, you know, I absolutely love and shining hearts. Um, it's not a series that I'm like super, super fond of. I've played some of them, right? I played shining force on the, on the Genesis back in the day and shining force too. And I think those are even on the Genesis mini. Are they not? I think one of them is at least maybe, maybe two. Um, I actually don't have the Genesis mini. I oh, the new one's coming the out. Time. 
I'm definitely going to be getting the new one because it's got Sega CD games. Yes, Man, it does. So yes, cool. it does. So many of those that have been locked to the original hardware. And I did recently play, however, when it released on PlayStation 4 back in 2018, the newest Shining game, Shining Resonance Refrain, came out here mm-hmm. in North America, which was the first time this series had like released outside of Japan in a long freaking time because it was kind of landlocked to Japan for a while. That's probably why I'm not super familiar with it. It's, uh, um, yeah, um, I just am not. Yeah, I think uh, only the Genesis versions and then maybe one or two here and there released in North America. Of course, I've heard of Shining Force and um, and all that. uh, But yeah, I hadn't. haven't really explored the soundtracks all that much, and I'm going to have to get into them. And obviously, Kuda's got his own take on it, but this was a really, really cool soundtrack. And there were several vocal tracks from the the games that I was researching that I, I kind of narrowed down, and this is the one I landed on. Once I knew I was going to close with it, this is the one I landed on because it's just... It's, great closing. it's, it's a great so closing, cool. dude. It's a great closing. It's got that medieval flair that... You know, we haven't really heard yet today, so I dig it a <laughs> lot. I dig it a lot. And if you like Hiroki Kakuda, obviously go check him out. Uh, make sure you explore all of his work. He is still active. He is working on the, um, if I can find it here, there's a game coming out soon in 2022, later this year, called Trinity Trigger, that he is actually oh, working okay. on yeah, some yeah, of the yeah, music yeah. for. That, um what was the name of the company that announced it? I don't remember. Uh, Furyu. F-U-R-Y-U is publishing it in the developer's three rings. Uh, it's another action RPG that's set to release later this year that I don't know if he's doing the entire soundtrack for, but he's definitely doing some music for it. So he's still active. Go check him out. Check out his Bandcamp, HirokiKakuda.Bandcamp.com. He's got a lot of original stuff on there as well. Oh, yeah, and the original stuff's really cool. If you like the, um, you know, the Kakuda sound, uh, I would probably start with Alphabet. Like I said, I have listened to that on YouTube, and it's, uh, it's a really cool sound. Um, very, once again, reminiscent of Mana, but he gets to go some places creatively that you, you couldn't really go, I don't think, in a game soundtrack. It's, it's really, it's cool stuff. Yep, so. absolutely. But... I think that's going to bring us to the close of the show this week, Bedroth, unless you have anything else you want to mention before we get on out of here. No, I think we're, I think we're ready. All right. Well, we want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of BG Mania made possible, of course, by RPGera.com. If you like video game music and more importantly, you like us and you want to help grow the show, check the description box for ways you can do just that, including a link to join our Discord community. Click it, join it, and interact with us. All right, Bedroth, take it away. Taking us out of the episode, we are going to be taking a listen to A Song Researching the Heart, Type B, from Shining Hearts, released December 16th, 2010, and one last time, composed by Hiroki Kikuda. Keep the music playing and keep it loud. Tocca che la 